Good morning, you guys, and happy Thursday. Today is going to be a high of 85, mostly sunny. Friday, a high of 81. And Saturday, a high of 80. In studio joining me, I have Cynthia. And yesterday, we got the privilege of, we got invited to Ameritidal's event where they did a bocce ball tournament. So that was pretty cool and exciting. Definitely more hype than I realized. Yeah, I had no idea that that was even a thing. No, bocce ball, um, I've played with my grandma a few times. Uh, and it's an absolute blast trying to knock each other's balls out and get points and it looked like a lot of fun. They were uh, hooting and hollering, and so it was a really good time. So that was fun. So uh, Baron actually invited us, so thank you for that invite. And Yeah, Ameritidal puts on a great event. Yes, they give back a lot to the community and the charities. The winner actually gets $8,000. I think they said nine. Nine or eight, I'm not sure. It was conflicting information there. But it goes towards your favorite charity. And then the second place winner, they either get 2000 or 3000 to go towards their favorite charity. So really cool opportunity to just give back to the community. And so huge shout out to Maritidal for all that they're doing for the community. Yes, it was a lot of fun too. So on Tuesday, it looks like the Salem-Kaiser board voted to ban concealed carry weapons on school grounds. Um, it looks like teachers and staff were already banned from that, but volunteers, parents, visitors, they were allowed to, and it looks like they have officially made that a, a not a thing. I think it was voted four in favor, three not. And that's pretty concerning to me. Yes. Um, as somebody that carries, I, it's for my own safety, for my children's safety, for my friends and family's safety, for your safety. And taking that right away from us, that goes against everything, mm -hmm. I feel like. What are your thoughts? It's very concerning. I am a concealed carrying citizen, always. And the fact that I can't go to my niece's graduations or anything at a public school now is very concerning. Super. Um, there was recently a shooting. I can't remember what state it was in, but it was actually a parent that ran in there and saved the day while the cops were all outside. So if that wouldn't have been allowed, what, what would have happened in that situation? It's unreal that they're taking our rights to protect ourselves and others away from us in a school setting. Those are our children. Yeah. I would I would feel more comfortable if I knew people were concealed carrying in there and protecting them than if they weren't, knowing that, and now everybody knows that there are no guns on that property, so it is open for you to go in and do what you want. That's not okay. Yeah, not at all. Not acceptable. How? So how do we get involved in something like that? We only have 30 seconds left, but... We need to pretty much take back our school board seats. And so when one opens up, somebody in the community really needs to stand up and step up to the plate absolutely and i think sk we stand together they're trying
Good morning and happy Thursday, you guys. It is about 9.30 and the highs today is going to be 86, so much higher than yesterday. Uh, in studio with me is Deb and she is from Room Redux. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Did I'd I say that to. right? You did? Okay. Room Redux. <laughs> uh, Room Redux is a nonprofit. We uh, transform bedrooms for children who have faced abuse, be it physical, emotional, sexual. Um, we do room transformations in one day. Wow. Uh, so starting early, whether we're tearing up carpeting and replacing flooring, we're painting, not always that case, but depending, right. uh, painting, assembling new furniture, um, hanging shelves, uh, and, and decorating. Yeah, just give them a safe place and a, 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 just a, a nice safe place to feel good about themselves. Yeah, so, oftentimes the abuse has happened in a child's room. Uh, and even if it didn't happen in, the, in that room, they've dealt with a lot of emotions. So being able to change it up and remove any triggers is a, is a huge goal. Absolutely. So we were kind of talking off air about some of the themes you guys have done. What have been some of your favorites? Um, oh gosh, I love them all. Uh, probably <laughs> my favorite was an outdoor uh, adventure awaits was the name of the room. Uh, it came out just amazing. The child had been in this room that was very basic. Uh, it was stored furniture and kind of mm, dingy. Right. And we had a mountain mural painted on one wall. Oh, uh, wow. We had a log or kind of an antique wrought iron looking bed with a, a outdoorsy comforter and a little a play fireplace and tent. It was probably my favorite. Okay. All right. Do you get to see the kids' reactions when they go into them? We never meet the child. Okay. Uh, and we don't want the child to feel any obligation. Chances are they've been made to feel obligated in the past. Okay. So I didn't even think of that. Right. Most people probably don't. Yeah. That's a good point. I sometimes get a video from the parents, which is like, it's just amazing to get to see their reactions. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So how do you guys fund this? It's all um, fundraising through myself wow. and my daughter, who who is my co-director, but not in the state. So she works from afar. And um, just, you know, we've been getting our name out there. We actually just won Best of Willamette Valley for a nonprofit. Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you. So if somebody wants to contribute, get involved, maybe reach out for a referral for a child, how would they go about that? Uh, you can um, find us on um, at our website, uh, wvor.roomredux.org. And there's a there's several different ways that you.
Hey guys, it's Amanda Smith, and we are back, and I have Fire Chief Jeff with me. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Amanda. Thank you. Yes, I'm so sorry Terry's not able to be here with us. I know you guys are good buds, and so I apologize about that. Terry's absolutely one of my favorite people, and Terry, I know you're listening because you want to hear everything I have to say. <laughs> uh, I'm wishing you well and all the best, and I'm going to come see you today. Oh, that's really nice of you. He'll appreciate that. All right, so off air, we were kind of talking about how it's fire season and a little bit what's going on with that. Do you want to share with us? Sure, thank you. I'd like to give you a brief Oregon fire season update. Um, right now, things are, are in, in eminent fire danger. If it's not burning, it will burn, and so we have to prevent it from burning. So those are the kind of things that are there. And of course, as a fire chief, we're, we're always worried that we're the first one to think it's going to catch on fire. We're the last ones to think it's out. So I just want to be clear about perspectives from the local fire chief. On on what's going on in Oregon right now is, this, as you know, we had the big heat wave. It dried everything out and, and made the fire danger very extreme. We had high fire dangers, what we call red flag warnings. And then over the last couple of days, as you remember, Monday and Tuesday, we had that great thunder shower and thunder and lightning show, which is a beautiful thing to occur in Oregon. It's an amazing event to observe and to hear. I know it, uh, thunder and lightning does frighten a lot of people and our animals. But there were 5,000 lightning strikes in wow. Oregon. I mean, it's over 5,000. That's a lot. Over 5,000 caused 124, or over 124 fires that we know about wow. uh, of each of those lightning strikes. And what happens is that they can go for a couple days before they actually break out into becoming a large fire. And if you think about having tinder dry conditions and then you throw a lit match into a situation and it can sit and smolder and wait until it eventually ignites. So what we've done here in Oregon, uh, Oregon State Fire Marshal Meridiana Ruiz Temple, she is an amazing person. She's a great strategic planner. She's a great st uh, state fire marshal. She's doing a wonderful job. And she is pre-positioning fire apparatus for this imminent fire danger. So what we did here out of Marion County is we sent a strike team and a task force that would go down. And the task force of firefighters had uh, uh, 14 firefighters from Benton County and 13 firefighters from Marion County. They send specialized equipment, specialized wildland fire trucks or brush fire trucks. They send water tenders. They send command units and they all go down as that task force group to go pre-stage into shoots in Klamath counties and they're going to stand by for the next three days and be ready for the next fire attack. If we can hit the fire while it's small, we can keep it small right. and then we can try to control it and keep it under and, and keep it in check. So how long does a fire or a smoldering before it actually ignites? Is it could it be how long could it possibly take? Could absolutely be immediate, obviously, right. uh, and each of those other things. But what's surprising is that how deep in the ground a lightning strike can go. And um, and we measure wildland fire fuels by their hours. And we have, you know, like grasses, they burn in moments and seconds. But then when you think about down trees and wood, they're, they're two-hour fuels, four-hour fuels, and then long-term fire fuels. All right. We're going to send it to the, back to the Dan Bongino Show, and we'll be back with more in just a few minutes.
Hey guys, it is Amanda and I am back with Fire Chief Jeff and we were just talking about the fire season and everything that's going on and so let's kind of pick up where we left off. Oh, absolutely. Um, carrying on, Oregon uh, experienced significant lightning strikes across the state, over 5,000 lightning strikes, 124 fires. Uh, we're pre-positioning fire equipment and crews in Klamath and Deschutes County in case those fires break out into something much bigger. Uh, right now, the biggest fire in the state is the Cedars Fire, which is outside of Eugene, south southwest of that. It's about uh, 15,000 acres and, wow. and out of control at this moment. However, it's it's been stable because the weather became cooler and the de air density came in when the marine layer came over. When you see those gray clouds, that's a good thing for firefighters. It settles the fire down if we can. Okay. But now we're going into a heat trend. And as you know, that's going to dry out, and and we're going to go in back into the hot weather. And so now the the fuels are more incendiary, um, and some of those fires from the lightning strikes, they can sit and smolder for a couple of days, and then all of a sudden, boom, break out with the heat and the lower humidity. So it could look like nothing's wrong, everything's good in that area, and then all of a sudden the fire will just spark up because it's it's not that it wasn't there before, it was just smoldering. Absolutely. And we have fire watches in place. Uh, we actually have folks that are using new technology of, of drone footage and things oh. along that line. That's an amazing new technology that we're developing. And uh, for our firefighters that are out there being pre-positioned, that's good prevention. You know, we're fighting something that's been going on for tens of thousands of years. Right. And what we can do best is prevent it. And we can also come through and we can try to manage it. Uh, we're not going to be able to stop this. It's been going on since the dawn of time. On the other hand, we have people in harm's way. And and in the meantime, we've gone in and we've, you know, we've put communities in these areas. We've put homes in these areas. And so now what we need to do is prevent the damage. And preventing the damage means defensible space around all of these communities. For example, if you've driven through the city of Sisters, Oregon, uh, as you drive through, you'll notice that all the tree limbs have been cleaned up and the brush on the ground has been uh, raked out and cleaned out. And, and that's a really good program for prevention of forest fires. That is, there's not so much brush on the ground to catch fire. And so it's definitely, I, I see how that can be super beneficial. Absolutely. And it, it allows us to protect the community of sisters. It's the same situation with your home. We need defensible space around your home. And depending on how rural you are, um, and in our communities like in Kaiser, you know, we want 50 feet of defensible space all around your home. We don't want trees hanging over your house. We don't want brush up against it. We don't want your eaves to be full of dried leaves and, and other things that catch on fire. What people underestimate is that fire is not going to burn right up to your door. The fires of these intensities are burning hot and they're throwing burning material a mile or two ahead of them, yeah. dropping them on your roof and that tree or those gutters that I talked about, they catch on fire or the bushes around your home and we need that space to be clear and protected so we can defend your home. Absolutely, that makes sense. I feel like I need to go home and make sure my everything's clear. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I hope you come back again soon. Happy to do it, Amanda, and, and best wishes to Terry. Thank you. The Dan Bongino Show on 104.